You already know that Illegal Pete's makes delicious, mission-style Mexican food. But did you know that Illegal Pete's uses its marketing funds to support Colorado creative talent that we love? We support the Denver Diatribe Podcast, the Grolix Comedy Showcase, Rocky Mountain Roller Girls, the Yellow Designs BMX Stunt Team, Apex Movement Parkour Team, the Underground Music Showcase, and more. We even have our own record label, The Greater Than Collective, with albums by The Epilogues, Snake Rattle Rattlesnake, Esme Patterson, Ian Cook, and comedian Ben Roy. And a starving artist program that feeds out-of-town bands traveling in Colorado for free. Illegal Pete's. We're more than just a restaurant. So, let us put our food... And music... And comedy... And sports... Inside you. Please. Denver, Denver, I'm from Denver, 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 I'm from Denver, 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 Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast of news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most holiday ready city. Between Santa's Workshop and the Hanukkah Hangout, which is a real place in New Jersey. Uh, my name is Joel Warner. Joining me today at the Daniels and Fisher Clock Tower is co-host Josh Johnson. Hello, Josh. Good morning. Good morning. Also joining us this morning is very special guest, Samuel Shimmick. Hey. You're the owner of the iHeart Denver store, are you not? I am. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, and we're going to talk about some holiday shopping ideas and other goodies and you also brought somebody else to the clock tower today. Yeah, we have my sidekick, Denver Picard Shimmick. He's my little buddy. He's a corgi. Hangs out in the store with me. And he blogs. Oh, he blogs. Who He's doesn't a, blog? Who doesn't blog these <laughs> Everyone's days? Everyone's got to blog. Gosh. Yeah, if your pet doesn't blog, what's the <laughs> yeah. point? Um, so we have lots of stuff to talk about, so I want to jump into some newsy bits. Uh, first, I want to talk about uh, North Denver's old school Italian joints, uh, the Red Sauce restaurants are getting whacked. They're sleeping with the fishes. They are getting shot in the boat like Big Pussy. Um, insert all your other mob hit references here. Big Pussy is a Sopranos character for those that can be, might be confused. What, you thought, you, thought, you thought I was saying something completely I just vulgar? Wanna, I just want to make sure <laughs> that the listeners aren't like, oh my God. <laughs> what are they talking about? He oh. just shot a Big Pussy <laughs> in the boat. <laughs> Why was Big Pussy on the boat? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess I guess a lot of places have been closing down. Um, Three Sons, which was right off um, Federal, uh, moved a few years ago. I think like to Wheat Ridge or somewhere out there. So so like Ernie's Bar uh, moved into that joint uh, this past August. Pa- uh, Pagliacci's, uh, the clown restaurant, shut down after s- basically seventy years. Um, then Longo's Subway Tavern, which I, which I never went to, but supposedly it was like the f- it was supposedly the first place to serve pizza in Denver. Um, was it, there a year on that? No, that was just mm. something I got from the blogs. <laughs> blogs never lie. Uh, at least first place in Colorado to serve pizza after more than half a century. And then Gaetano's, uh, the old that mom joint. Yeah. Might as well be gone. Yes, as, yeah, supposedly, because um, so they got a facelift. They mm-hmm. got a new fancy upgrade. And they no longer serve pizza or spaghetti and meatballs. The, well, <laughs> what they really should have saved are those meatballs on the pizza. So there have been one pizza with those meatballs on it, which just, were kind of weird. but Yeah, they were. It they were standard. It a giant mountain of like meat and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> More important than the food, though, they got rid of the bulletproof glass door. Uh, or the, Why would you do that? Or Why? the plastic 
plants that are like the so old plants. that they're not the right I went color. there about this time last year, and they had a really, really good um, Frank Sinatra impersonator who was walking around table to table with a microphone singing Christmas songs. Whoa. And it was awesome. Yeah, that sounds epic. <laughs> Without irony. Well, uh, well, well I, mean, that, I mean, what you're... What you're describing exactly what I want to talk about briefly. I mean, some people say, well, what's the big deal? We have lots of Italian restaurants. You know, I think, you know, Gaetano's is still an Italian restaurant. Now they're serving things like risotto and whatnot. But I think there's something different about these kind of, what's, I guess like the terms like red sauce joints or red sauce mm-hmm. restaurants. Right? Family I mean, style. Yeah, is... family style. I mean, what's kind of the difference? What's the big deal about losing these, these old places? Um, I, mean, I mean, personally, I don't... I like the contemporized ones, so I'm actually excited to go to Gatano's now and see what they think an updated menu is, because okay. my interpretation of that is always... Right. You know, they tend they to go regional is what they do. When Which they, when is usually really successful, so that's smart. Like Panzano's, right. a very successful restaurant just up the street from us, is northern Italian rural food, and that right. place has been going strong for years, and it's good. Yeah. I like... My, my favorite is the cherry tomato. Ever been to the cherry? Tomato? I have not been. There. Where's the cherry tomato? It's um, City Park North. Yeah. So it's I forget what the the street is, but and there's there's a right next door is a very authentic um, Italian deli where you can buy meats and now Italian they're... delis are awesome and I'll always go to those. Yeah. Now talking about Italian delis, there's also word that Carboni's, one of the original Italian delis, which is right there on 38th, might also be closing. Really? Yeah. So this is the meat place. Going down. Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I know for me, it's just, I mean, you know, while, while I'm the furthest thing from Italian myself, um, I grew up, what are you saying? I am Italian, Josh? No, <laughs> no, I, no. I would agree. I think you're, uh, that, that's yeah. like an understatement. Yes. Yes. It is an understatement. Um, you know, I grew up outside of Boston. I, you know, I spent a lot of time in North End where, you know, going to these family style Italian restaurants was just kind of a rite of passage. I just definitely had something with it. It's the best Italian in the country in the North End. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. It's, it, yeah, it does feel like a whole different kind of ethnic food than, say, Italian-Italian. It's almost like, you know... Completely oh, it's not Italian-Italian. Italian. It's yeah. like mobster East Coast Italian <laughs> yeah, is what right. it is. It's it has nothing to do with Italy, really. Yeah. So It's a front. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bit sad. Though I think, I think it's like, how do you make a new version of it? I mean, I, mean, yeah, I don't think you're going to see... Well, I think there already are the tourist trap versions of it that are still going pretty strong. You know, there's a spaghetti factory. Yeah. It's not technically a red sauce, but it's definitely mod- modeled after one. And then it's got the historic building. And then I forget the name, but if you're going up I-25 and on the left-hand side by the big Best Buy, there's that giant... Italian place. Yeah, well, all, yeah, I've been there. It's, it's all buffet, and it's, it's like a Costco version of Italian. Totally, restaurant. and it's like going to Chuck E. Cheese, but there's no animals or anything. The, you know, you're just eating that junky food, and it's supposed to be family time. Yeah, I guess that's what it becomes. It becomes kind of like a uh, amusement park style. It's more of a theme than it is authentic. You know, like it, I mean, I hate to say it, Olive Garden. It, yeah. I mean, they try to they try to present it as like bring your family, your family here, you know. But no, yeah. really, it's college students looking for a deal, never ending. Yeah, their their deal this this season, Olive Garden is. <laughs> <laughs> 
For twelve dollars, you you get an entree and you get a second entree to go for tomorrow night. Like, what would it do to you to eat <laughs> Olive Garden two nights in a row? Well, actually, Maggiano's does that, and I've been doing that for years. Really? It's, it's such a well. I'm speaking of my stores, the pop up stores were all around it. So sure. I built these temporary stores, and I'd have to build them in two weeks. So I'm going like twelve hours a day, and I'm like, uh-huh. all I need is something to eat and. You know, if they're offering me twelve ninety nine two meals, I'm like all for it, and they're <laughs> epically big. Yeah. yeah. So, like, how many meals is that? Like normal meals? That's like what seven? Well, it's it's two for me, but a normal person, <laughs> it's like probably three to eight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I uh, one one thing I wanted to do is give a shout out to what I see as some like the holdouts, and I've actually I think there. Are, I mean, I found a few good ones in Wheat Ridge. Uh, there's Pietra's Pizza, which is one of like the old old school places that has like the wine jugs with like the wicker like woven red and white checkered tablecloths yeah, oh yes red and white checkered tablecloths and also uh i think it's vincenzo's which is that old school italian bakery it's like painted bright yellow on 44th mm. that's also good stuff and they have the original uh, squ- uh, square square serve pizza oh nice like what do you mean square serve sicilian square, style square. yeah yeah sicilian style square yeah, pizza the thick that's sicilian yeah. style you're very not Italian. Square style. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> That's a name. Do you serve square pizza? <laughs> Can you cut my pizza into squares, please? Yeah. I worked at a pizzeria in, in New Jersey, very, very authentically Italian for a while. And it's interesting. Like, there's, um, I don't know if it's out here, but people would order it. They call it California cut. What's California cut? So you, you have your circle pizza, and then you have your pizza cutter roller, and you just do it, like, random. So it's like... What? It ends up with these little, like, bite-sized shards. I, I've so, had that. I didn't know it was California cut. California though. cut. That's what they call it in New Jersey. It's for, like, if you're, if you're like, having appetizers. Is it what so they do in California or what New Jersey does to make fun of Californians? It must be. I mean, Californians are wild. <laughs> <laughs> they cut the pizza in all sorts of they crazy ways. <laughs> crazy, crazy ways. <laughs> it doesn't seem like the most productive way to cut a pizza because you have some really large pieces of one. Yeah, but if you're, I mean, if you're having a party and it's not like, and you don't want to stand around with folding pizza and it's finger food. But that's why don't what you the just cut them really thin? Because you look slices. like an idiot. You know, the, the thin, things? long slices, it's, it's just. Well, what it is. It up. <laughs> it's yeah, utilitarian for all the different tastes out there. Like the ladies might just take the one little corner and then the guys can get the big piece that so. ended up at the end maybe. Right. I just know that with my like. I get, like, the crust piece, which is the worst one. Yeah. It's just, like, the hard, crunchy crust. I always like the piece that has – and you don't see it as often out here, and I think it's because of the altitude, but the big bubble. You, you like the bubble. I love the bubble. It's, Why? like, chewy. Like you don't get the cheese or the sauce. It's yeah, just but it's there, it's, it's, but it's chewy and doughy. It's exciting. Oh. If it comes with the extra sauce, I always pour the sauce in the bubble. And it kind of rolls <laughs> <out> of it. <laughs> Um, anyways. Did we exhaust Italian food? <laughs> I think we might have exhausted Italian food. I think we food. got off the whole red sauce um, restaurant. I want to move on to a topic that never gets exhausted in this state, which is marijuana. Mm. Um, I guess uh, this week, a travel guru, Arthur Fromer, uh, noted his places that will have big tourism gains next year, and among them are Miami Beach, uh, Dubai, Lima, Peru, and then Seattle and Denver. And he said Seattle and Denver... We're going to be big because of the new uh, legalization laws that passed mm-hmm. this year. Noted that um, I'm going to quote from his his uh, his story, which he wrote 
already hotels in Seattle and Denver are reporting numerous requests for reservations by POT supporters planning visits to Washington and Colorado. Um, and then I especially like this line. It just, I think this makes folks like us on Colorado laugh, which is, it is known that, quote, unquote, medical marijuana was easily obtained in dozens of outlets <laughs> dozens. in both cities. Yeah, dozens. dozens. Uh, Mr. Faromer, you clearly haven't been here in a while. Right. Hasn't been dozens in a long time. They, uh, CNN was covering this this morning because um, Washington State last night in Seattle, they had a big celebration because the legalization went through at midnight. Oh, did as did, yeah, as did gay marriage. So everybody's oh. getting their licenses today and planning weddings. But um, they had their Denver correspondent on, and he's like, it's just not going to be as big of a deal here because we're used to it. Yeah, yeah we've you been know? edging closer. To yeah, those. yeah. Like he says, I don't really anticipate any um, big parties to, like, it's not going to be 420. Like it was pretty much 420 in Seattle last night. Yeah. Well, locally the big worry was because – we're a state that's isolated from it, like Arizona, New Mexico, and all the states around us aren't really on board with legalizing it. But the people there probably want it, so they didn't want us to be an exporter. So as we right. grow our industry so big, they were worried that we become a state known for exporting pot. Well, we will. I mean, just yeah, it's sure. like I mean, it's not going to be legal. Yeah. I don't know that we'd be known for it. I mean, it's hard to beat skiing, mountains, and fresh air and sunshine. Yeah, right. it will take a, it will take a lot to kind of overcome like the mountain yeah once it's not a hot topic on the news anymore i'm yeah. it's not gonna beat any of those top five but do you guys think it really will impact tourism do you do you think folks will be coming here um considering how many go to amsterdam and historically likely yeah i th- you know i, I think maybe an up curve but think about how fast the country's getting on board with it we're you know by next round of the major voting there's probably gonna be three more states yeah so i'd be quick about it i mean so so if you guys were you know, in charge of arranging these things. I don't know who is, actually, but if you were in charge of figuring out, like, where the Napa Valley of the marijuana was going to be in Colorado? Well, that's the other trouble and why I'm not in love with this economy yet. Like, the, the pot economy will be amazing one day, but for right now, the legislation dictates it has to be all hidden from view. You can't see it. Yeah. Um, you have to have a certain number of members on board to even grow it, and so they're all sequestered in warehouses. I mean... Unless you want to tour junky warehouses, I'm not sure you'll ever get a Napa Valley. Yeah. It's, they're not open fields. Um, but I think what will happen is the boutique dispensaries and the experience of shopping for it will grow faster than touring pot growers. Yeah. I think, there, I think that I, I should start a, and don't nobody steal this idea. A um, well, travel it's a good thing you're I, just telling it out to yeah. all the podcast listeners. Then. But right. he said they can't steal it. So. Okay. Yeah. Fully <laughs> yeah. protected. Consider That's a legally binding agreement. Yeah. Consider this. Um, but to do to do uh, tourist packages, so it's like they come with fly an ounce. In, we, yeah, it's like for high end potheads. So you you pick them up at the airport. You have weed for them and drive them. They can smoke and then and then you well, take them to like high worthy places. You know? Well, here's Where the other part. scenic overlooks and such. <laughs> Hopefully don't fall off. <laughs> <laughs> Places that look good while you're high, yeah, that would work. So, like, where would you take them? Like Casa Bonita? Or would that be too much? That might be a little overwhelming. Well, it depends on the variety it, you give them. It's right. true. Right. You'll have to pick your package. You don't want to be too hungry. <laughs> Red Rocks would be good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are you going to do this? I don't know. I'll throw up a couple well, of packages and see if anybody <laughs> bites, maybe. It might work. The The other problem is most of the genetic varieties are not coming from Colorado. So if you know... 
uh, people in this business, they're yeah. always like, yeah, the New York, you know, contest winner, you know, Kuba Duba Dash or whatever they call it, <laughs> <laughs> just like hit the market. And we totally got 20 seeds of it and they grow that plant. So there are hybrids coming out of Colorado, yeah. but I don't think they're as prolific as some of the big ones like California and New York and Washington and Canada. Yeah. Hmm. But maybe we're on the way there. Maybe. You know, stuff like this. Might One happen. can only hope. Yes. <laughs> Please, we need we need something. So beer and pot in Colorado. What's next? What's next? Sheesh. You know, if if any if if they do go the way of the microbrews, I do think it's a good thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I and I think there's some potential there. I think there are some folks who are already kind of trying to move in that direction. I mean, there's some pretty interesting science going on right now mm-hmm. here because they can actually ha- get get access to this stuff and can do some of the research they can't. Do. Well, and as a dispensary, you have to make it yourself. Like, it has to be your pot and yeah. your THC. So you develop your own product. So each one has been making, like, mouth sprays or candies, and they're all a little different at every dispensary, which is kind of interesting mm-hmm. and cool. Mm-hmm. But then you get that whole kind of craft mentality around mm-hmm. it then. So I think, I think it's, you know, I think, I, think you're, I think it might take more of these kind of marijuana contests to actually say, like, to, so people can realize, like, oh, this is, this is what's known, this is what's not. Well, what I'm waiting for to happen is, like, when the medical marijuana thing hit, there were so many dispensaries and the rules weren't quite in place to control them. So we got thousands of dispensaries and they were very close together and they were thrown up in a week. Yeah. Um, and uh, since that happened, a lot of them have gone out. So we're starting to pare down to the really good, successful ones. But I think we have another year or two before we really see the best one in Denver come up. Well, that really means that, you know, like did some kind of beetle kill pine theme and came up with their own type of product that really caters to the local customer really well in their area. I don't know. On mm. and on and on and on. But right now there's such a proliferation of junky shop to good shop. You know, it's hard to kind of see what's really going to happen. Yeah. Um, I want to move on from marijuana to something else the state is known for, not necessarily in a positive light. I actually want to, I want to play this YouTube video. Uh, so this is uh, Richard Heaney, uh, known as the father and the creator of the Balloon Boy hoax from a couple of years ago. Um, I think you guys might have watched this already, but I, just, I, I can watch this video all day long. He posted a video online for his uh, new product he's selling. Remove the contents from any container in just seconds. I'm ready to enjoy my freshly cooked juicy hamburger, only to find out I didn't buy ketchup and mayonnaise. I am not going to go into the store because I have your shakedown. Your shakedown removes ketchup, mustard, jelly, jam, mayonnaise, shampoo, hair conditioner, car wax, and even peanut butter in just eight seconds. Every container in the house needs a good shakedown. Your shakedown pays for itself in under one year. Order yours at yourshakedown.com. Is this something you might consider carrying? He's kind of from Colorado. He lived here (laughs) for a bit. (laughs) Wait, Wait, is he no longer in Colorado? I think he's still here, isn't he? No, I think he, he hightailed it to California okay. pretty close after the, when he was done with his legal stuff. Okay. Well, I, for those folks who didn't see it at home, that basically that video is Richard Heaney w- wearing a bathrobe and apparently nothing else, right? In his kitchen. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that there's shorts under something there. On, it, it, it's hard to know. I don't really I know how I think there's a shakedown underneath there. Yeah, <laughs> there <laughs> and he's Wait like, till you see this thing. Yeah. Get better. And the device is basically... Like a doorstop with some like large rubber bands attached to it and a hand cranked vibrator, if, right? Is that yeah, the doorstop <laughs> becomes a vibrator when you crank it. Yeah, and it more, looks more like a spanking machine than a shaking machine. <laughs> yeah, like, so you basically spank 
the leftover peanut butter down from your peanut butter jar. It totally spanks the bottom of all your jars. Yes, that's all it does. And it's huge, so you wouldn't be able to keep it anywhere over your cabinet. So you would have this thing like right prominently on your kitchen counter for the rest of your life because mm-hmm. it's supposed to last forever. And you have it has a baked on finish. Yeah. <laughs> baked on finish. Which I think is powder coating, but I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think it is powder coating. <laughs> baked on finish. Yeah. Isn't that something for the family style Italian restaurants? You can bake on the finish. Um, I thought you were going to make a pot joke. But... No. Oh, I didn't think that. Um, but, you know, this could be yours for uh, six six easy installments of twenty nine. Is that really the price? Yes. But there's also oh um, uh, the restaurant quality is $359, which I don't know what that means. It's extra baked. Yes, huh? it's extra baked. Double baked. It's ridiculous. But um, I, you know, I don't even know where to start. Well, I had a few problems from – so that with my store and all the artists I work with, I'm constantly being asked for marketing and business advice. So – the things that really struck me is he kept saying it's your shake on and the machine says shake on, shake on or whatever it is. Your shakedown? Your shakedown, but it says shakedown on it. So I'm confused on if he's stealing someone's shakedown and making it your shakedown. <laughs> I don't think you can get the URL for shakedown. That's probably what it I was. I think the deadheads have that. Um, and then baked on finish to me means bad powder coating, so it's probably going to decay really rapidly. And then this morning, my lotion was almost empty, and I tapped it on my hand, and it took two seconds to get my lotion, <laughs> not eight. So I don't know why I need the machine. So you did a scientific uh, I t- analysis. I, I tested this before the show. <laughs> you really, so, so you don't need a – at least you don't need one in your in your bathroom, at least. Yeah. You, you don't need two. You still might need one in your kitchen for the <laughs> peanut butter, but not for the lotion. <laughs> Josh, do you, do you have thoughts about this magical video we just watched? No. You have nothing to say? No, I mean, I don't, no. No. Not it's, even about his robe? And where's that mic? I want to know where the mic is. Yeah, where, is <laughs> where, where is the mic? Um, if, I, I, I don't know. The, at the end, when he has the, all the products lined up on the countertop, I'm wondering how he collected all of them. How much that cost him? I think he stole them in his robe. He went, <laughs> yeah, went door to door to door. It, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's the guy. I mean, this isn't the first time. What was the last thing he did? Or not the last necessary, last thing I saw it was something. Oh, he did like the back scratcher. That's right. You put some some like sandpaper or something on your side of your wall, and you could you could rub. That's your back right. It was it. the it was the bear tree. That's the what it was. Tree. It was it was like synthetic tree bark. So you could scratch your back like a bear does. Just like a bear? And yeah, and you mount it to the wall, and it, and it looks like tree bark, and you can just lean up against it and do, like, the bear squat. Oh, my it. gosh. And, um, and he comes out, he does these things, and they're so overthought, you know? And overthought not in, like, a German engineering way. No, like, but in, it's, it's almost, I think that it, I wonder if he's a joke. If if he if the whole thing is just if one the whole large thing meta is, joke is yeah, is him it's, trying to stay in the it, limelight, but not I that mean, video seems like a very fact. He you know he named it your shakedown, and this is well, charging that's that that's much. That's what the URL is. But I'm I'm just curious if this whole thing is just one more way that he's like, oh, I'm just gonna go get some more attention because I just that's what I'm saying. It. That's what I'm saying because he can't really. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. It's. It's so ridiculous that it's it's not even that funny. Yeah, you know, like or like Saturday Night Live will do commercials for fake products, you know, and it's beyond that. Yeah, it's, it's so. Well, I this think, ends up just being sad because you get the impression that he really believes this is an important product for your life and an absolute right, right, right like negative value to your life. Right. right. I was thinking this morning that one of my biggest issues about Richard Heaney, the balloon boy guy, is that he gives inventors a bad name. I feel like in this world, one of like the last like bastions of, of people that you root for 
are like down home inventors. You know, you have movies. Yeah, like, we don't they, have them anymore. The good people are entrepreneurs. Like we've shifted the terminology. That's like, right. That's right. But, but no, but I think you, you know, you still have like you know the person sitting in their house coming up with these crazy ideas. Like there you was do, but they don't have value ago. unless they can grow their own business. Like entrepreneurs are important now because they have an idea, but they can also produce it and sell it and market it. Like, yeah, but, but but I think until this point, we we still ha- you know even if it wasn't real, these guys still weren't successful anymore, and we still like like this idea of these solitary, like, inventors who come up with these crazy things. And Richard Heaney is of that breed, Mm -hmm. but he's, like, the scuzzy, dirty, really screwed-up version of it. And I think it brings that whole kind of, like, like, he's, like... He's like the bad unicorn who brings like, the whole breed down. You yeah, know? but there's always been the Richard Heaney's in the inventing world. I mean, you go back and look through some of the old ads and patents, and they're hysterical. Yeah. You well, know? It's the like good, the one we did last week. It was uh, actually the image for, the, with the, what was it, the chicken goggles. What are chicken goggles? I don't even know. It was Vanessa found the image. If you look on our on our blog for last week's patent show, but no, I think it's okay for them to come with, with weird things. It's about like how they present them. I think the thing about Richard Heaney is less his weird inventions, more about him and his you know his his shallow attempts at, at publicity around it. Yeah, well, shallow is the key turn there. If he like, how many payments was it? Yeah, six easy payments. If you can't make it's something easy like, payments, by the way. Well, that. Of twenty nine, <laughs> they're always easy. <laughs> they're always easy. But if you can't figure out a way to make something that's such a small piece of your life, condiment bottles, you know, ten bucks, yeah, then it's not. What's the point? Yeah, so. it's. I mean, he's still operating off of the the essential invention plan, which is find a problem and find a solution. Mm-hmm. You know, which I would give him total props for that. I mean, yeah, yeah. and the, and but it really what's what's hysterical about it is. At a very base level, is that it's not really that big of a deal of yeah. a problem, <laughs> you know? See, um, I have my own version of the shakedown. It's called a rubber spatula. It, it gets that peanut butter out yeah. like it's yeah. nobody's business. Or ketchup, you're supposed to hit it right on the 57. Yeah, it's it true. Yeah. I remember the first time I I was taught that. that with, oh, it's amazing. With a Heinz bottle, you must have hit it right on the 57. It was like, oh, my God. This it works is like, so good. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like cracking like the Da Vinci Code, the Masonic <laughs> symbol on the... Yeah, I'm really excited. <laughs> so screw you, Richard Heaney, and your shakedowns. We don't need you. Um, that's it for the Newsy Bits. Listeners, if you ever want to share a Newsy Bit with us, rant about something, or shower us with gifts of shakedowns and meatballs, please leave us a comment on denverdiatribe.com. Like us on Facebook or drop us a line at 720-282-YELL. Um... So, first topic, big topic I want to talk about is Hollywood and whether or not it really can ever come to Colorado and if we want it to come to Colorado and how exactly we want to bring it here. If we do, last year, uh, Colorado lawmakers, after years of getting um, pressure to do so, uh, voted to increase uh, film production incentives, uh, upping the rebate from 10% to 20% of of, of media budgets spent in the state. Uh, they, they get that back as a rebate. Um, and so a year later, what's happened? According to a new report from the Colorado Film and Video Association, uh, several independent feature films are circling the state, and major studios have been calling the state to talk about production. So we have circles and phone calls. Oh, I love phone calls. Yes. Um, no, and there's a little bit more. I know uh, last year there was just $1.4 million spent in production costs the whole year. Uh, here in Colorado, and this year, in just the first four months, there's been $4.2 million spent, which is, a, which is an a increase. Yeah. Um, I think, though, um, 
you know, it's not the big exciting movies necessarily. Not as everyone as I need them, but it's like Rocky Mountain PBS has been filming stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, High Noon, the local television production um, doing great. studio. Yeah, doing great. They have a new show called Prospectors, which are like uh, gem collectors up in the mountains here. And there's been some, some Coors beer commercials, which we all need. Um, but so the question is, why aren't we seeing more? Yeah. So w- w- why aren't we seeing more? And uh, some folks say, well, it's because incentives are just not enough. The very fact that it's just 20% of these budgets. Plus, at the same time, I think they, they've capped uh, the full amount they're willing to rebate at like $3 million. So the most that yep. local production could spend in a year or productions could spend a year is $15 million, And then there'd be no more rebates left anyways. And they're saying, well, that, that's not enough to get the huge movies here. Hmm. Definitely not enough. And once those budgets are blown, then you're wait, you have to wait till the next budget cycle to get more people on. Yeah. I, I think going up to the 20% is probably a good move. I mean, the film industry has been begging for it for years here. So trying it out, I don't see a problem with, uh, but I, I personally want to see more focus on independent filmmakers and the talent we're growing here. Cause we have such a great film program up in Boulder and the talent growing here is immense. There's a bunch of production studios popping up. High Noon is going like crazy. I mean, they obviously don't need help from subsidies to get going. Like, what's successful about those businesses? And how do we get more of them? Interactive's blowing up here without subsidies. And um, so advertising online and interactive media is going so strong because they're grassroots companies that are growing from the ground up. So how do we get film to grow from the ground up here, I think, is a bigger question. So I think that's an, a, a great point. Because, I was, you know, if you, if you attract talent from the outside to come in, they just come in and go out and come mm-hmm. in and go out. And what's, what's the benefit of that? I guess they spend money while they're here. And then, you know, if people recognize this film as being in Colorado, they might consider vacationing here. But beyond that, which it's happened not on its own before the subsidy, like certain yeah, TV right. shows shoot in Denver for one Mark episode. And Mindy. Oh, Mark and Mindy was great. <laughs> That's how I learned about. Uh, but even like <laughs> Warehouse 13, you know that weird sci-fi show, did a whole episode based in Denver. Yeah, um, which was kind of cool. Um, I think what I want to see happening is with that local uh, filmmaker thing is by educating them here and helping invest in their first films here and encouraging them to do something here, they're going to get a sense of pride for coming from Colorado. It's like that hometown pride you're going to have. Even if you go to Hollywood and blow your career up, you're going to remember where you came from and you're way more likely as a big director or film producer to think, oh, it was so great when I was in Colorado and I had my first big, you know, my first project of my own and I grew it myself. Like, I'm going to go back there and do something else. Sure. I yeah. think those types of attitudes. I think South Park becoming. has done a lot. Yeah. You know, the fact that they're from here and they stand by it with pride mm-hmm. and, like, launch their touring uh, Book yeah, of Mormon. Yeah, Book of Mormon, the Denver. first stop outside of New York is in Denver. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all good stuff. Yeah. A good example of that. I just went and saw uh, the, the new exhibit at the History Museum, which mm-hmm. is all about Denver. It's called Denver, uh, like, A to Z. It's all these little fun things about Denver. Yeah. And they got the South Park guys to give them, I think, like either cheap or free access to the Casa Bonita episode. So they actually play that part of the Casa Bonita episode in the middle of history. <laughs> when Cartman's Museum. running around. Yeah, it's like, all oh, them singing the song. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Bonita, Casa Bonita. And it's oh great, you know? So it's great to we have those folks. And I think it's a good point about kind of, kind of encouraging our homegrown talent. And that actually brings up kind of the other 
big film instead of issue in the news actually this week has been a couple big stories this week about how after literally a decade of film incentives like skyrocketing around the country, like I think 40 plus states, it was up to like billions of dollars in film incentives. They're finding that they don't, they might not work all that well and that the numbers, you know, and that the idea that these films bring in all this money to the state isn't really based on reality. They, you know, they, you know, they hear all these numbers about like how, you know, when like a film comes in and adds X million in business, but those numbers based on the fact on this, on this idea that these businesses that these that these film crews kind of partake in wouldn't exist if you know and don't exist at any other point in the year except when these film crews come in so they just say oh well okay so you know all these restaurants are you know that they buy a couple meals in that adds this amount of million and it doesn't really work mm-hmm. and um there's a couple of really kind of crazy stories i guess uh, pontiac michigan Basically, bet their states, um, um, like uh, what's it called? Basically, bet like a like a huge chunk of of a state budget on building this massive film studio to like bring in like big Disney movies. They just straight up build a studio. Yeah, they build a huge place, and that's now, ridiculous. Yeah, that's so dumb. And uh, yo, uh, they basically use the state like pension fund. Oh, to build this thing, and then <laughs> now the studios have basically like you it's going to pay for itself. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. all going to retire next year. Yeah, so okay. now the whole thing's basically collapsed, and they're just screwed. And then there was I was doing something last night. Um, about you know what'll happen though? Like the studio will be in such a dire strait, and they'll have blown all their money on it. A year or two will go by, and then they'll they'll just kind of ignore it, and then someone will think, "Oh, hey, I bet that studio's dirt cheap because like no one ever used it ever." Yeah, and they'll swoop in, and something will happen. Yeah. yeah, and then it'll be huge. Mm-hmm. But you know, and I guess like New Zealand uh, to keep uh, the Hobbit films there, as opposed to going like somewhere random, like paid like one hundred and twenty million dollars in incentives you, you as know, a country, though, which I think is different as than you're talking about as a state. But they they also passed like crazy laws, like they passed like the three strike anti-piracy laws, basically because like the film studio is like, if you want us to stay here, th- these are the laws you have to pass mm-hmm. for your country, which is kind of nuts, I have to say. That part is more nuts than the 120 million. So you don't get that much, but the fact yeah. that they, you know, and then I guess one of the reasons they allowed the that crazy raid of Kim.com's. Did you guys read about uh, Kim.com was the founder of Mega, Mega, like, Mega. Uh, yeah, what, Mega, mega File? Did yeah, Mega, mega Upload. Yeah, um, right. Basically, the New Zealand uh, police worked with like, the CIA to, like, raid this guy's yeah. like, compound in New Zealand. And everyone was like, well, this is kind of against New Zealand law. Why would this happen? Turns out now that one of the incentives was like, okay, if you want us to film The Hobbit here, we'll you have to guy. let us do like Homeland style kind of, you know, carry style shit hmm. in New Zealand, which is just kind of, you know, like really like what type of benefit? I mean, like really like how many folks are going to fly New Zealand just because The Hobbit was there? Well, they actually did turn it into a tourist attraction. You can go to the place where it was filmed and tour it. And... But uh, how many people are really going to do that? A well, lot. I don't know. I'm do you sure. think so? Are are you, you, I'm sure the numbers online. If we look at it, yeah. I mean, there's other reasons to go to New Zealand if you're yeah. going to get on. What is it like a 16 but, hour flight? Well, <laughs> <Isn't> ridiculous. <laughs> well, there's a million reasons to go to New Zealand. It's an amazing place. Yeah, right. Um, but if you think about the market penetration of the film, the cult following it has, and what they're doing, you, there might be a value to getting them there. I don't know. So, you, so you guys think it's worth it? 
I don't know that it's worth it. I'd have to look at the hard numbers. Uh, but I think subsidies might be a way to get your foot in the door. So let's say you know Colorado or Michigan or New Mexico doesn't see as much film as they want. Trying it out for a few years probably isn't that big a deal. What I would more have a problem with is New Zealand probably gave them huge deals to just get there in the first place. Why bow down even more after that? Like that's when I would start to question it. Like why give away the farm when they've you know already bought the cow? You know they're there. They built the studio. You know are they really going to spend that much more to go build another one somewhere else? Yeah. And my my question is: Has anyone ever kind of said no to these demands? I know. I think the same thing happened. Well, that, hmm. one day it'll happen, and that'll probably be. A cool story. Yeah. If actually, I, I, I don't know. Joel, make some demands. Well, yeah. Well, I'm not a film studio. Well, I can. How do they know? <laughs> Put up a website. <laughs> Put up a website. <laughs> like make a blog it. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Just make sure the only way the way they will believe you is uh, I'll have to call and say I have Joel Warner on the line. Yeah. And then transfer you over. If you can be my studio people. execs, don't make yeah. phone calls. Yeah. By if you don't transfer, it's not going to work. You, yeah. You have to have people. Are you can be my people. Like, if my people. You Denver know. will answer the phone for you. Denver will answer the phone when he's not blogging. Denver, are you blogging too much? Can you bark for us? Good job. Oh, yes. yeah. That's how you answer the phone. That wasn't just Josh <laughs> pretending to make a dog. No. Bark, by the way, that he's really, really was. Denver dog. <laughs> so, fine. So, these incentives are questionable use. So, you're, so, so you're saying that you know, it's better to kind of grow the grassroots talent here. So how do you do that? I know they've talked about that, but what do you do? Oh, well, you, as, as a state, you know, there's huge amounts of power to help small artists with advertising or to seek funding. Um, you know, my store program, which gives 70% of sales to the artists, you know, I, I built a business. It's a for-profit business, but we're very philanthropic where we are trying to support the creative economy by giving all the artists in the store 70% of sales. I wouldn't have had all the free space to build the stores and build the program um, without city and state support. Yeah. So they came in and helped talk to property owners and um, helped get outreach to more artists than um, I was even working with. Hmm. Um, and the things state like that. did? Yeah, city and state. I've worked really closely with them, and those offices are great. And they, like the McNichols building just opened up, and it's a new cultural hub for artists, and it's a very inexpensive place to hold events and cultural activities. And this right. uh, Arts and Venues Denver is all behind that. And they're right. very active in helping artists out. So if you focus in the area you want to grow, the problem is every, the conversations have always been about big box films or multi, anything above a million. Right. Um, but if we focus on 10 grand here, 50 grand there, then those people will grow, flourish, either stay or go and learn industry and um, film techniques in other states and then come back right. um, because Colorado is a great place to live and it's got a lot of pride in it. So you can bank on the idea that people miss it when they leave and always want to come back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I, <clears throat> I was always under the impression that other states had a better, I don't know, program or department for um, people looking for a shoot. So they have like a database of sites available. Our state has that. We've got a database of crews, film equipment, uh, locations. Yeah, that's what I mean, location yeah. specialists. But I was and always known the for really, really good crews. I mean, we're, oh, the yeah. crews are the number one reason to come here. Location-wise, the um, we've been marketing as we got a desert with the sand dunes, we've got mountain scenes, and we've got downtown um, uh, scenarios, and it's easy to close streets and work with businesses. Um, and I. I just don't think there's been enough money behind promoting those ideas. The website's pretty solid. The people behind it, when you call, are there. Uh, but I haven't seen a big, huge 
outreach approach. They always have a small booth and not a lot of outreach. That's what I mean. Yep. And so maybe now that actually states are pulling back on incentives because I think this is like the first couple of years that states are actually starting to kind of defund their film incentive programs. Now studios might be starting to look at other kind of reasons to, to go places beyond Los Angeles, well, you know, California, and that might be the time to really start pushing this stuff. If, if that's the case, I mean, we're, we're not talking about the, the larger issue here, which is, is a story that's been circulating in the last week or so. Um, and I think it was a book called The United States of Subsidies that just came out. And it's about cities um, spending astronomical amounts of money, tens of billions of dollars, to bring in businesses, to either keep them from leaving or to attract them to the city. Mm -hmm. and, and, and these are bids. They're spending the money on putting together bids um, and then there's the additional tax incentives that they come. But, but just putting the bids together is billions and billions of dollars. Well, because you have to have transparency as a state. The minute you say this money is available, then you have to leave it open to everyone, but you also have to quantify why they get it. So then there's all the paperwork and the right. administration to get it done. Um, plus, right. I think spending all that money falls into a marketing trap that a lot of businesses do like as a, as a small business i could easily fall into those marketers that approach me and say hey you know give us five thousand dollars and we'll hit this many zip codes and you'll get this postcard out and all that stuff but that's a lot of money to blow um that would really kill my budget if it didn't work right uh, so yeah. i focus on small things like ten dollars here five dollars there and really growing a quality base and that's what the state needs to do invest five thousand dollars here five hundred dollars there in people because then they're going to have a great project. They're going to be happy about having worked here. They're going to go to Hollywood and other places, work in that industry, and they're going to be word of mouth. They're going to be like, oh, well, in my state, they gave me funding to do my own independent film. Now I'm just out here getting more experience on Iron Man. You know, I know a great filmmaker who's um, made some awesome small films. Uh, and, um, what's his name? Uh, Eli Berg, and he has worked on Iron Man, some McDonald's commercials, all out in California, but he comes back here and works with his dad on small films and gets great local actors and comes home all the time, several times a year to work on film. Yeah. And they do their own little festival. And they, So he's in Hollywood, but he remembers Colorado. He grew up here. He does it all the time. And mm. those are the kind of people we want. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think we have to move on because mm. we still have to get to the holiday shopping. Part of our most important time of the year. Most important time of the year. Uh, so, uh, first, I want to note this week's episode is brought to you by Illegal Pete's. They have their very illegal Christmas event featuring Bad Santa and the Breckenridge Christmas Ale. Uh, the evenings of Saturday, December eighth and fifteenth at their various locations. It's free, or at least uh, going and seeing Bad Santa is free. <laughs> so go to their Facebook page to find out more. Uh, we're going to take a quick musical break, but when we return, uh, Sam is going to walk us through some holiday shopping. I look down to see 
It was a Friday night when I left you all alone. You said, don't be late, cause I need you here at home. I always knew there's another choice to make. You're the memory and the energy I Ocean Crest by local band My Body Sings Electric. They will be doing an eat and greet acoustic set at Illegal Pete's downtown on Saturday, December 8th at 3 p.m. It's free. There's food and drink specials, so check it out. Uh, now uh, we get to Samuel, who's going to be walking us through some great ideas for local holiday shopping, from stocking stuffers to massive things to put under the tree to um, stuff to put it. The Hanukkah Hangout, <laughs> which once again is a real place. Uh, but first, uh, Samuel, I wanted you just to kind of tell us a bit about the iHeart Denver store for those folks who haven't seen it. Uh, so the iHeart Denver store is a special retail project in downtown Denver. It's on level two of the Denver Pavilions at 16th and Glenarm. And it is the fifth iteration of a pop-up series I've been working on for uh, about three years almost now. Uh, what it does is it's all local artists. So 100% of the goods in the store are made by a local artist or designer. Um, most are from Denver, uh, but we accept artists from all over the state. Uh, right now we have over 135 different local artists and thousands of items. Um, and it started with a small pop-up store in April 2010 for Create Denver Week. It was a week-long, 24 artists. And then from there, uh, there was such a good response that we grew the program. So we did a, uh, three more uh, four more pop-up stores at various locations. Um, One was made out of 
completely out of cardboard boxes. The first one, yeah, we dumpster dive for cardboard boxes. So literally in a four-block radius around the location at 1600 Glenarm, we uh, dumpster dived, and I bought a lot of duct tape, um, different colors, and we lined all the boxes and made fixtures out of it and lined the walls. Were there certain boxes that you found to be really... Um, yes, yeah, so uh, in, luckily Spire was still under construction, so my good friend Sarah Blett, um, who is an interior designer, had a bunch of couches and things, so they were just chucking them in the back, and I kept raiding them <laughs> on the <laughs> recycle bin. Uh, so uh, furniture boxes were definitely ideal, but um, some Arby's got in there and some other weird boxes. <laughs> but it all looked good. We covered it pretty good. Nice. Um, and then after that, we had another pop-up store in Denver Pavilions and then another store called Yes, Please More, and we just kept growing the artists and changing the model a little bit with each store. They were open for uh, six or eight months each. Um, and then we were out at Stapleton for a special um, uh, HG home tour, the Green Home Tour. We had a s- store out for that. Um, and artist Matt Scobie worked on that store uh, with Brian Corrigan. It was pretty cool. Uh, and then, after all those stores, I decided that the program needed to evolve a little bit more. Um, being downtown, we catered to mostly business travelers and tourists, which is great because people out of the state buying Denver stuff is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I changed up the name a little, called it the iHeart Denver Store, uh, negotiated a long-term agreement with Denver Pavilion. So now we're permanent, so we're no longer pop-up. Um, and the artists still get 70% of the sales. We keep 30% to grow the business, and it's working really great. We've got everything from jewelry, fine art, art prints, T-shirts. Do you have um, Mondo T-shirts? I don't have Mondo T-shirts, actually. <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, the thing is, it, it's funny because, like, I mean, you, like, most people think of, like, tourism shops, and they think of really crappy T-shirts and, like, you know, like stuffed dinosaur stuffed animals and stuff. Snow and it's, Yeah. And, it's mm-hmm. not at all that whatsoever. It's, like, the coolest no, tourism shop of all time. Yeah, and one out of every, one one out of every hundred customers, I turn away with a sad face because I don't have snow globes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's really? A, that's a small price to pay for promoting artists and having yeah. actually good stuff. Why aren't artists making snow globes? I think well, that's a we looked question. into it and all the pieces. I, I mean, and we might. We've got a few ideas to do it, right. so we're working on it. But all the pieces for now come from. China, which, you know, may or may not be a bad thing. We're mulling that over. So the ones that aren't made in China are weird looking. So. Right, like the, the local glass blowers. <laughs> uh, well, that could be cool. We do have an artist, um, Becky Waring, uh, who's got a business called Becky's Buttons, and she makes dioramas. And they don't shake and make snow, but there's mm. cute little figurines and model trees and um, little scenes happening on geodes and in recycled jars. Yeah. Uh, so that's how close as we get to a snow globe right now. <laughs> and aren't you know, aren't people kind of getting getting sick of the whole snow globe concept? Oh, I mean, it's not well, that new like I said, one in, one in a hundred ask or yeah. less. You know, it might even be one in four hundred really now. Like when we first started, it was way more, and now it's less. I, uh, I w- at the airport, I, uh, we don't need to go on a snow globe tangent here, but <laughs> they had a sign in the in line that was like no snow globes as carry ons, and I was like, how many people really like? I could see if it's your shampoo, because everybody uses shampoo. But is there such a snow globe carry-on problem? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure it's more than you might think, and it, they must be over four ounces. So. What do you think? That what's, What are some of the most popular items in your store? Uh, t-shirts are our biggest mover, and we have um, the most uh, range in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, ooh, what else is a big seller? Art prints are huge mm-hmm. for us. Um, and then just the interesting things. Like, we do have magnets and shot glasses and mugs. 
uh, but they are just done with more of a contemporary twist. Like right. uh, this magnet I brought with me has a, a geodesic uh, buffalo on it, and it's got Denver and Colorado, but it's laser cut into beetle kill pine. Uh, so that's the cool thing about that. The wood is from Colorado. It's from our new oh, cool. new design material that we all love to use, Beetle Kill, and it's her own design that she laser cut in herself. Yeah. And then she added a, a high powered magnet on the back, so it works great. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, walk us through some of these uh, some of the stuff you brought. Uh, well, gift giving this year. Um, one thing I'm really excited about <laughs> is we have our first uh, fiction book in the store. Mm. Uh, it's by Daniel Lands, and the art uh, illustrations are by Ravi Zupa. Um, you might know Daniel Lands from the Watercourse Bakery. Uh, that's a big thing, um, Cap Hill. Uh, but it's called Junie, and it's the great um, and the great hairbanger stampede. It's a myth he wrote, and it's uh, centered in the front range and around Denver's, uh, but it's still a mythological thing about talking rabbits and the sun and the moon talk to him. It's a pretty good tale. <laughs> is, it a, is it a kid's book? Or? Uh, no, it's an adult myth. <laughs> okay. Read. Um, yeah, see I, see, I still have PTSD from Watership Down with a movie, which, 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 which I think my folks thought was a kid's movie. Uh, did, did you guys watch no. Watership Down? I don't know what it did is. You, did you see this? I have not. It was like this like rabbit animated movie. It was based on the book. Mm. But the movie's all about like the rabbits like literally going to war with each other and slaughtering each other. And then the ghost bunnies like coming back to haunt the living. To oh, talk. man. And uh, like, literally, I'm still This scarred. sounds awesome, Joel. Oh, yeah, well, but... but what, like six old years old? Oh, like six years old? No. Well, that's old. Old. I would say okay. that a teen would appreciate this or a young adult and adults. Cool. Um, but for the book reader, it's a great local option. Um, he's getting 70% of the sale of the book sale in the store. And Ravi Zupa illustrations are amazing. That's a must-see in itself. Um, some For the bag lover, I've got Topo Design. What I love about them is they office in Westminster and do all their designs there, and they sew out in Lafayette. I may mm-hmm. have reversed that. I don't think I did. Um, they're huge on the blog scene, so you, even if you don't know Topo is from Denver, um, you've seen it on Wired Magazine and yeah, a big design blog thing. Yeah, I'm familiar with the brand. Uh, so they're awesome. Great backpacks. Uh, he even does blankets and jackets and things now, too, and belts. Um, I brought with me a dop kit. Uh, it's a triangle shape with um, a duotone on it. It's pretty cool. Uh, so any bag lover that loves kind of the mountain edge look would love that. Um, some cool recycled items. Uh, there's a gentleman. That looks awesome. It's so awesome. And every time I post it on Facebook, I get a gajillion hits on it. It's a coat hook made out of bicycle chains. And it's by Chad Staker, and he actually goes to the bike shops in Denver, trades them finished hooks for old cruddy chains, cleans them up, tack welds them, and finishes them off. Um, and they're wall-mountable, and they look awesome. And that I, must be such a pain in the butt to clean those chains. Oh, I am so glad he did all the cleaning. That would <laughs> be the worst. They have baths. What type of baths? It's like a degreasing chemical bath. All the bike shops have them. Mm. It's re- like you take the parts off and put it in. Like vibrates. Maybe he's got one. He's of not those. there. He's not sitting there. I don't just want to like oh, move I the I image of him with a toothbrush. Joel. Do I don't think, think he's he, doing a toothbrush. Yeah. You think your shakedown would help with that? You think you could put it in the shakedown oh, and just I might. And they should it? totally put these chains in a bath with the shakedown. <laughs> See what weird. Be amazing. Eight seconds. <laughs> Eight seconds. Um, there's uh, for the Denver Pride or Colorado Pride. We've got artists that are putting a great contemporary twist on the Colorado flag or the Denver skyline. So. 
Um, one of my new or new favorites just came in yesterday um, by Rafa Jen. He's a digital print artist in town, pretty well known. Uh, this is a brand new piece with the Colorado Sea um, in a dot pattern similar to the Damien Hurst dot paintings. Mm -hmm, and this okay. is called Dear Damien, and it's uh, part of his Dear uh, Pop Artist series. Uh, he has another one called Dear uh, Andy, which is based on the Marilyn Monroe portrait. Uh -huh. uh, but that we're adding to the store this week. It's a cool thing to show Colorado Pride, but be a nice decorative art piece as well. Yeah, right. Um, got some great hats uh, for all the hat lovers out there. We got some with the big Colorado C from Axles. Um, also, Adam Sikorsky does a Coloradical hat that's pretty awesome. And I have an I Heart Denver hat, which looks kind of like, oh, I don't want a big heart on my head, but when you wear it, it's so gangster pimp that you want it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about the, about the Colorado Sea um, and just whether or not Colorado has the mosaic design-worthy state flag. Um, I think for contemporary use, it's the most utilitarian flag ever. I mean, it's a flat vector image. Like, I mean, what more could you ask for in something to work with as a designer? You literally, you know, have uh, one, two, three, four colors that count white to work with. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just a dream. You don't have a weird, you know, seal that gets too detailed to play with and all that, like most states. Right. Yeah, the seals don't seem to work very well. I, I don't think they transition to product very well. I looked it up, though, and uh, turns out that someone actually did uh, crunch the numbers on this. Uh, the North American Vexilological Association, mm. uh, which... Um, as their um, tagline says, focused on flags. Uh. So you can see focused on flags. They, they, they did a survey of what was the most popular flag. Uh, Colorado's comes in 16, which I think is kind of low. I think that is low. Well, I think we need to work on that. I know. It's, I, I definitely mean, think we could up that. But then are they talking about flags popular just for looking at a flag and liking a flag or using it for commodification? Well, number one on here is New Mexico. Which yeah. is a cool flag. Yeah, New Mexico is a, cool is a good flag. one. And plus, and it, plus, it's like you know, it's, you know, it's not just uh, the U.S. It's all of North America. Right. Oh, well, so you have some uh, some, some interesting. That'll ones skew the results. Number four is Maryland, and I for some reason love the Maryland flag. <laughs> what is Maryland flag? It's the it's kind of yeah. It is kind of crazy. Well, that is crazy. It looks like a racer flag. <laughs> Clutch from Baltimore, the band they tour with the Maryland flag as the backdrop on their stage. This would make an awesome all-over printing shirt of Maryland. Flag. What, the Maryland one? Yeah, you can now digitally print a shirt, so you can literally top to bottom, side to side, cover a shirt with a print. Um, so that one would look cool. Yeah. I, I mean, so. yeah, there, there are some pretty cool flags on this. But, I, you know, I do really like the C. So I think, you know, I think there's still a lot of potential. Do you think sure. you might be biased? Biased? Well, like... <laughs> I don't even know what Massachusetts flag is because, you know. It's got to be those old yeah, seals. Yeah, it's got to be a seal. Yeah, if yeah. you don't know what it is, it's a seal. Yeah. South Carolina with that moon and the palm tree, that's pretty epic. Yeah, it is. It, is. it looks Islamic, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I assume South Carolina doesn't really show its flag much anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> no, they still fly the, uh, the um, whatchamacallit. <laughs> what, the, well, what, the Confederate flag? <laughs> oh, yeah. I kept, couldn't get Union Jack out of my head, which is probably the next to the American, probably the second biggest in the worldwide. What, the Union Jack? Yeah, probably. Yeah. So what, okay, so beyond just talking about flags, what else do you have for us for uh, shopping What stuff, else do I bring? Oh, postcards. Um, Let's see the postcards. Postcards are fun. 
So my favorite for gift giving, because it can be a print um, or something to send to a friend, is uh, a series called Postscripts. It's by uh, Jared Rippey, and it's uh, a play on the streets around Denver. So there's a Wadsworth one, York, uh, Colton. Yeah, it's cool. So they're letter-pressed on the heaviest cardstock you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. So they're juicy. They feel awesome in your hand. They're frameable. It's like a drink coaster. Oh, yeah. It's, it's at least that thick. Uh, but you can still mail it. And um, there are multiple colors in some, black and white in others. Uh, the Broadway one's also another good one. So there's, cool. a, there's a series. So if you like Denver or live near any of those streets or just love the street, you can send that off. Uh, Shane Harris made a great design uh, with the Denver skyline. And uh, my favorite is his Colorado one because he used the Hello from Color, Hello from Colorful Colorado, and it's a play on that original when you drive into the state and it right. says Welcome to Colorful Colorado. It's that same sign shape on it. Looks great. Um, and then another great uh, artist, Lisa Lee, has XO and Co, and so it's kind of hugs and kisses from Colorado. Uh, but what she does is she goes on a lot of hikes, and she's a good photographer. Uh, but she uses treatments in Photoshop to really um, kind of age the photo and add different feels to them. But then she hand letters the message on it. So this one says Colorado Love, and she hand drew the fonts. So they're all original fonts. Oh, wow. And then she digitizes them to add them into the image. They're pretty cool. And if you are a fan of Corgis and you love Denver, there's a Denver Picard postcard that you can send to people. With his real picture on it. Has Denver received any postcards of himself from other people? He hasn't, but he's got a little following from young girls around downtown, and they bring him drawings. Like, they draw pictures of him, and they bring him in the store. And every time we have a new product made from Denver, um, the Corgi, uh, they have to have it, so their moms come in and get it. One girl uh, so, was so in the hospital. Really? Justin, so he's like the Justin Bieber of downtown Denver. Kind of is, yeah. <laughs> oh, when I'm walking him, so I live four blocks from the store. I, I walk him to and fro several times a day, and people are like, wow, that's Denver. It's like, they don't want me to hear. <laughs> yeah. They know it's Denver. Does, here's, here's the real question. Does Denver have a Facebook page? No, because... I am just exhausted <laughs> with the iHeart Denver Facebook page, but his blog is pretty awesome. But it's a Tumblr, so I can just email the image with right. the statement, and it's up. It's not right. a lot of time suck. Um, but my favorite story is he has a stuffed animal that was created by Cindy Miller Herleman. Um, so it looks just like him. It look, it's like the shape of a Furby, but it looks like Denver Picard, and it's <laughs> yeah. soft and plushy. Uh, one of his uh, fangirls was in the, uh, the hospital with a surgery, um, and this came out two days before the surgery, so her mom got her one, and after the Aww. surgery was over, gave it to her. Super awesome. That yeah. Is, that is super awesome. Um, oh, and then I brought a few trinkets that are some tourist favorites. Uh, Denver Skyline Magnet, um, done in an, it's blue and orange, but it's not the Broncos colors, so that's kind of a contemporary twist on that. A uh, soap with the Denver Skyline in it and a mug <laughs> with Denver. And this is the giveaway. Yes, we're going to do a bit of... Uh, listener giveaway and some of the stuff that Samuel brought. We've never given away soap. Yeah, never given away soap, uh, but I assume some, uncharted of, listeners, territory some of the listeners could probably use some I'm, soap. Yeah, I think some of our um, co-hosts could. So <laughs> it's, it's uh, available to email subscribers, so go online, subscribe uh, to our weekly uh, reminder that the new episode is up. Um, the deadline to subscribe is December 12th. Uh, we'll, we will pick uh, winners uh, from one of the new subscribers. At random and uh, announce the name of the next podcast. Um, and then what will happen is that you uh, uh, go see Samuel at the iHeart Denver store and he will give you personally your prize, your soap. 
And so. you can meet Denver Picard, the corgi. Yes, who wouldn't right. want to meet Denver Picard? Can, we'll even get you on the blog yeah. if you're so inclined. So, folks, go sign up now um, and then check it out. Um, I want to thank uh, Samuel for, uh, for going through all this stuff with us. Thank you. Well, thanks for having thank me. Yeah, I hope you have a good holiday season in sales. Oh, thank is you. Is this your busiest time of the year? Uh, it definitely is. It's always an anticipation because you're like, December's here, holiday sales, but then you got to wait two weeks because no one's on the ball with their <laughs> holiday shopping till late. But right. Then, yeah. then it gets awesome. But uh, definitely still go check out the store. It's level two of the, of the Denver Pavilions. Yep, right at 16 in Glenarm. Um, and the hours are Monday through Saturday, uh, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday we are open 11 to 6. Wow. Can people Ooh. order online? Not yet. That We're doing an online store uh, in 2013. Nice. Really? So, w- w- so when do you hit the, uh, the uh, DIA, when you hit the airport? Oh, gosh. They beg me like every other month. Oh, they wow. do? But they're, we're, we're talking about it, and we're trying to figure out something to do. So you know, things are in the works. Um, I'm not in a hurry to have another store because, yeah. you know, yeah. one, one's enough. Uh, but then also the union s- uh, station development's happening. Yeah, so right. A, another exciting place for local shops to go up to. That would be really cool, too. Um, well, no, I'll... Oh, sounds awesome. Um, more information at uh, the website, which is iHeart. iHeartDenver.info. Yes. So you get the info on artists. Um, so we briefly have time for a little love and hate. I want to go around the room. Uh, Samuel's our guest. Do you have a love or a hate? I love the blue bear, but I hate that it's right managed, so artists can't use it. Oh, so you're referring mm. to um, the Lady Fancy Works? Uh, well, that was amazing. I love that yeah. a lot. But the bear itself. Um, by so you genre. can't use anything. So you can't actually. You can with permission, but that's a lot of work. And it's such a new piece that there's not a big system for getting permission yet. But it, I, I think it'll get easier over time. Oh. Who owns it? Doesn't the city own it? Uh, well, the, they own the art piece, but the rights to it are owned. Oh, by oh really? They held yeah. the rights. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, rightly so. The well, city no. should buy the rights. That's really. What I really happen. wish they would because l- it's such an iconic piece of Denver. That yeah. would be great that for the city to own that. But I also understand uh, artists don't like to give up their stuff, rightly so, too. Well, they might if with a payment. Uh, they definitely will with a payment. Yeah. yeah. The so. blue Mustang is almost done with its um, problems with licensing because that family is very open to sharing it with artists. Uh, but they're still finishing up the you know you know there was all the drama about. It it being constructed yeah um, right. but they're almost done with all that so once that's done they can start partnering with artists posters and really cool projects that's right. going to be fantastic so i cool. can't imagine the stuff's going to come out of the crazy devil mustang they did one show uh that got some permission to make some posters and they're epic already so i can't wait to see what else <laughs> uh josh um you know i'm gonna love on all the fucking lights oh. <laughs> all the christmas lights the downtown is majestic. The neighborhoods are just glowing with twinkling, colorful yeah. lights. Sounds you like, like the twinkling ones? The twinkling ones, especially, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Sounds like you're ready to write your own kind of holiday song. I feel, I feel it. Feel I it? feel it. It's nothing like when you're wearing a T-shirt and sweating it, uh, <laughs> and it's pitch black at 5.30 and you see the lights Yeah, to really get you into that. Holiday that holiday mood. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, we, we just feel, know. when, it, when, the, when they, people start putting up these lights and everything gets, like, colorful and twinkly, it really makes me feel like the, that we're, as a society, generally drab. Yeah. There should be so more. We should like, more we lights. only do fireworks once a year. We only, like, make things colorful once a year. 
And the rest of the time, it's like, why don't why don't we do more stuff like this? But then if we did that all the time, we'd be like, oh, look, more fireworks. Yeah, big deal. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Was it that way with tacos? Oh, Jesus. Oh, tacos only once a year. Well, you just got to find the small beauty. Like, oh, the new restaurant with the awesome new, like, decor. Right. Just get all excited about that. Right, right. Well, fucking lights. Fucking, fucking <laughs> love lights. Em. Love them. Uh, I have love as well this week. Um, loving on um, the discovery. I guess not discovery. I guess lots of folks knew this already. But um, according to the Oscar Blues holiday card, um, that um, the cans for like Dale's Pale Ale mm-hmm. and whatnot, they, they've always had this one little blue circle on the can. And people have always, you know, I've always kind of wondered, like, well, what's this little blue circle for? Yeah. Well, uh, unlike um, a digital holiday card that Oscar Blues put out this year, there is a picture of the can with a circle cut out and a bit of marijuana stuck in it, and uh, someone, like, smoking it like a pipe. It's so a I, bong instructor. Yeah, so supposedly, <laughs> you know, it's always been people, you know, this, is, this is how you use our cans, <laughs> as a pipe. Right. Yeah, so they've always had this. Which gives you Alzheimer's. Yes. <laughs> Why? What? Smoking out of a can? Aluminum. Oh. That's what they've always been told. Smoking out of aluminum you get, it gives you Alzheimer's. It really? might uh, break the coating over it. Because they yeah. coat the can so you don't drink the aluminum. Is it baked on? Yeah. Oh, I, uh, no. I don't. I believe it is not baked on. I believe it is dried on, like air dried. <laughs> so there you have it. So, yes, you can, you can make a holiday pipe and then look at the twinkly lights with, with Oscar Blues. Um... Well, that's all the love and hate we have time for this week. If you'd like to share a little bit of your own love and hate, please leave us a brief message at 720-282-YELL. That's 720-282-9355. Our theme music is by TJ Miller from his extended play EP. Our web hosting is provided by bluechannel.com. For more information about the Denver Diatribe or any of our guests, check out our website, denverdiatribe.com, or search for Denver Diatribe on Twitter or Facebook. I'm Joel Warner, the app of my co-host Josh, and our special guest Samuel. Thanks for listening. Good money lenders, low obesity, there's no need for